0: I think he sets us
1: up and says, okay, you're good. No, he, go live your life, you know? he, he wants us to love him, and he's going to love us. It's, it's a two-way street here. So he, he did everything he could for the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, is what I'm trying to point out. And yet, what did man do with it? Okay, So let's, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8 today. And before we get to Hosea chapter 10, uh, we're going to read through a little bit, and I've already wasted some of my time here, or not wasted, but went farther than I wanted to go. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter eight, and we're going to read one we're going to read the whole chapter here. Now we're talking seven hundred years before Hosea. Seven hundred years, okay? And he says, and again, they're getting ready to go into the promised land. So that's about the time period. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 1 says, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do that ye may what? Live. Live. And multiply, and go in, and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers, and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness, to humble thee, and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or not. Or no, and he humbled thee and he suffered thee to hunger and he fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only. So even when they're going through the wilderness, God's trying to teach them. Okay, he loves his children. But, and he says, um, let me back up here, that he might make thee to know that man doth not live by bread only. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Of course, we see that in the New Testament, in Matthew and in Luke. Verse 4 says, Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee. So all those 40 years, their clothing did not get old. Wow, I wonder if it got dirty. Don't know, (laughs) okay? Because I doubt if they had washing machines out there. Uh, Neither did thy foot swell. These 40 years. Anybody have problems with their feet swelling? Mm-hmm. He said they, their feet didn't swell. That's amazing. Verse 5, And thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. So right along with kind of what you were saying, Bobby, you wouldn't set them up completely, but you would work with them. And, you would, and God did the same thing. He's trying to get them. He's chastening them. He's chastening them also in the wilderness. He didn't just give them you know, everything that they wanted. Verse 6, Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in His ways and to fear Him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water and of fountains and depths, and springs of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey. A land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. And when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. And beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God And not keeping his commandments, and his judgments, and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten, and art full, and hast built goodly houses, and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt And out of the house of bondage. And who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness. Wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought. And there was no water. Who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint. Who fed thee in the wilderness with manna. Which thy fathers knew not. And he might humble thee. And that he might prove thee to do thee good at the later end. And thou say in thine heart. My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. Verse 18, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, and don't miss this, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. So he's even telling them, after you get all this wealth and all this stuff, you got to remember you did not do this on your own. Mm-hmm. He did the same thing that Obama told us. If you got anything, guys, you didn't get it from yourself. I don't think he meant, Obama meant the same thing that God said, though. Because Obama meant like, well, you didn't get it from yourself. I don't know what he meant honestly, but he, 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 I didn't really like how he said that. you guys remember that? Mm-hmm. He goes, "If you got anything in this world, you didn't get it from yourself. you got it from all those other little guys.
0: Mm-hmm. Got it took it from,
1: yeah, you took it yeah, you, you took it from the other guys around you. and I'm like, no, I thought we lived in America where if you have something, you earned it." Okay, so we were talking about that a little bit this morning about, you know, about that. But he says, but God says, for it is he, God, that giveth thee power to get wealth. So everything we got, even the the ability to make wealth, we get that from God. Okay, that he may establish his covenant with which he sware unto thy fathers it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God. And walk after other. What's it say next? God's little G. Oh God, ha- I mean God does not like this. You're going to forsake me and then start serving some some idol that you made but with your own hands. And he goes, and you serve them and worship them. He goes, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. And I'm bringing that all up, because this is what took place 700 years before Hosea, and then going through Hosea, we're seeing it all play out. Because they did exactly what he said not to do. Okay? So turn over to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11. <clears throat> Yep, we're, same book, chapter 11. <laughs> Just a couple chapters over. And let me read through that a little bit. It says, Deuteronomy 11 says, Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always. And know ye this day, for I speak not with your children which have not known and which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, or his greatness, his mighty hand, and his stretched-out arm, and his miracles, and his acts, which he did in the midst of Egypt. There again, Egypt keeps popping up. And unto Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and unto his land. And what he did unto the army of Egypt, so we went a little farther, and unto their horses, and to their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord hath destroyed them until this day. And what he did unto you in the wilderness until ye came into this place, and what he did unto Dathan and Abram, the sons of Eliab, the sons of Reuben, how the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their households and their tents and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord, which he did, verse 7, and therefore, you shall keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong and go in to possess the land, whether you go in to possess it, and that you may prolong your days in the land that the land that the Lord swore unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed, a land that floweth with milk and honey. For the land whether thou goest in, possess it. It is not as the land of Egypt, from whence ye came out. So what's different about it? Well, let's keep reading. Where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs, but the land, whether you go and to possess, the land of Canaan is a land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God careth for. There's something special about the land of Israel, and I know God owns the whole, owns the whole earth. But there is something special about Canaan that the Lord loves. Okay? And it says a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it. From the beginning of the year even until the end of the year. And it shall come to pass if ye. Now he throws this. You gotta do this, guys. If ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land and the due season and the first rain and the latter rain. And then it keeps going down the list of all the things that he's gonna do for them. He basically says, you need to love the Lord. You get listen to him, you got to love him, and you got to serve him. That's what Israel needed to do in the land. And that's what the nation of Israel wasn't doing with Hosea. Because they had kind of put God way out on a shelf. And they wasn't loving the Lord. What did they do? They lost their love of the Lord. That's why they went down the tubes. That's why they were serving false gods. And it's like God had warned them. And he had warned them, and he had warned them, and he had warned them. And after a while, it didn't work. It kind of reminds me of myself. I'll tell myself because I can't tell stories on everybody else. But I can tell stories on me. When I was four years old, my parents bought me my first gun. Bought two guns, two pistols. Bought me a holster, and even bought me the ammo for it. I played cowboys and Indians and 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 cops and robbers. I ran through the neighborhood shooting people. I mean, I did everything wrong. Today they would lock me up. Of course, it was a cap gun. Anybody in here have a cap gun? My, my, my wife was, when I was five. my wife was telling me I had a cap gun. I go, you had a cap gun? She goes, yeah, I had a cap gun. And I'm like, I remember that, you know. And and yet now it's like, oh, you can't have if if you have a toy gun. And it, do they even make cap guns? I
0: had my own rifle on it.
1: Okay, but you've got to have a red tip on it because it's got to be, you know. well, but And, and you, we really don't want to do that because, because you're sending a bad signal to these kids and, you, and they'll grow up weird. Well, if we did, it's all of us. So even my wife had a cap gun and I remember. So I'm shooting caps and I'm doing all this stuff just, you know, with everybody. And But then I, I found out something else. Oh, not, not! I mean, I wasn't just into guns. I had my, my mom and dad even bought me a little cannon when I, I think when that's probably <laughs> two. I had a cannon, and it would shoot this thing out. It shoot a I don't know what. I think it was just a plastic ball, and I think I was probably three when I had that. But I mean, so I mean into all this stuff. And then I found out if you took a roll of caps and took it off, and instead of putting it in the gun and just laid it on the concrete and took a big hammer and hit that sucker. I'm going somewhere with this. And hit that thing. You know what? It would make a bigger bang. So one day I'm out in front. I've got them all out. i got my hammer out. And I'm just making noise like crazy. That kids do. And my mom came by. She goes, son, don't do that. Don't do that. You're going to hit your finger. You're going to hit your finger. Don't do that. And this went on probably i don 't know week two weeks i don 't know and one day i 'm out there, and guess what happened? I hit my thumb,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, you 're poke, and I clobbered this sucker, man, I mean, I clobbered it, and it, and it 's like a, that was like a cartoon where your hand 's going like this. I was screaming. I got up, and I mean, I'm running through the house. I ran through the yard. I went through everything. And my mom comes out, and she goes, "Well, son, I told you. I told you
0: so.
1: Don't do that." You know what I told her? I still remember it. Why didn't you tell me again? (laughs) (laughs) That's the nation of Israel. Yeah. Over and over, they were told, and yet they did it. But you know what? I'm really surprised. They lasted 280 years, and they started off bad. So when you think through this, when that first king, Jeroboam, became the king of the northern tribes, and remember God told him, I'll set you up, I'll set your family up. If you obey me, your, your family will be the king, and you'll be in the line. And what was the first thing he did? Remember when we studied that out? He put two false idols up because he was afraid the people would go back to Israel and before long they would get back to they would just worship God and they'd get rid of him so he comes up with his own false religion Jeroboam set up the the golden calves, it just happened to be a golden bull, can you imagine that he set those golden calves up to keep his power because he goes they'll go back to the nation of Israel they'll go back to Judah unless I do something to stop them Do you think God was happy with that? I'm surprised God didn't whack him right then. And he let him go for 280 years. So I'm like, how far will God let you go before he yanks your chain? Apparently he let the northern tribe go 280 years before he yanks their chain. And I'm like, wow. So that kind of gets us up to chapter, and I got to go quick now because I'm running out of time. Hosea chapter 10. And I'm going to kind of go through this a little bit. Um... Chapter Ten. Israel was just like me. They forgot all the things that God gave them. But you know what? Even our country was our country was founded. We had good constitution. We have things that we've been working on. But you know, we've been here what two hundred and forty years now since seventeen seventy six. So we're talking twenty twenty four, and then two hundred. So two hundred and. Yeah, 200, yeah, right in there. So not quite 250, and we can see it just sliding off the edge. You know, I think we've probably lived in our country one of the best times, you know, my lifetime. I really do. I didn't have to go through any huge major wars. I didn't live through a civil war. We haven't lived through the Revolutionary War. I mean, there was wars around, but I mean, I think I think that, you know, when I grew up, you could go anywhere in the neighborhood. You didn't have to worry about being, you know, molested or mur- murdered or kidnapped. I mean, it was very rare. And now you don't want your grandkids or your kids to almost play in the yard. It's that bad.
0: i see little kids in from junior high instead of walking home from school. It scares the life
1: out of me. Yeah, but I mean... But see, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, not a problem. Not I mean, you problem. could walk anywhere, you know? And so, let's just kind of go through Hosea. I'm going to go read through the, the chapter here, chapter 10 of Hosea, because I do want to get through this. And we're going to kind of see how, you know, Israel just didn't... Listen, now I want you to know, you know, it's been kind of a bummer going through Hosea at this point, point. and just to kind of uh, tell the story on that, in chapter 10, there's 15 verses. Out of 15 verses, 13 of them are negative. So do you see why it's kind of a, a Debbie Downer book at this point? I mean, it's just negative, 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 but yet we need to stop and think about this. Okay, I don't want to read Hosea. We don't want to go through that book because it's such a pain in the rear and and it's such a downer, but yet God put it in here for us and we need to know it because we don't want to end up like these people or we don't even want to be a little bit like them. We want to do the very best we can to obey God and do what's right and not be anything at all like the nation of Israel in the book of Hosea. So again, 13 out of 15 verses. Bad. Chapter 10, verse 1. Israel is an empty vine. Oh boy, we're starting right off the bat. Empty vines are not good. You know, Israel was supposed to be a fruitful vine. It says, Israel's is an empty vine. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself. The Lord's out of it. They are doing everything on their own. It says, according to the multitude of his fruit, he hath increased the altars. According to the goodness of his land, they have made goodly images. Again, idols. Their heart is divided. Oh my. I mean, you talk about, there it is. Their heart is divided between the Lord and their idols. Now, I talked about last week that the nation of Israel was to the point where they were worshiping idols because of what they were, to, what they were expecting. They didn't just fall down people don't just fall down and worship an idol to do it they expect that idol to do something for them and then last last week we, we talked about it. it's like um, they expect just like a prostitute has a relation with uh, and does a sexual act with someone, they expect something in return that's how God sees these people. Falling down and worshiping an idol. Because these people that are worshiping these golden bulls, they're expecting that golden bull to do something for them. And I said last week, I have a friend of mine that, that's from Malaysia. His dad is an idol worshiper. Really. And so um, uh, he, he goes home to Malaysia and he sees his dad. And this guy's a Christian. And his dad's got two or three idols stacked up. Have, have you Have I told this in here? Okay. And one of them has an, a symbol of money on it. It is his money god. Okay. And he said, Dad, he goes, I noticed your money idol is on the bottom of the stack, and you got four more gods sitting on top of it. What's going on? He goes, Well, he hasn't been very good to me lately. And since he, his finances haven't been very good, he took that idol that he has and stuck it on the bottom of the pile. And we look at that and we laugh. This guy's serious. These people in Hosea were worshiping those golden calves because they thought that golden calf would give them a good crop, would give them finances, give them good health. And so they were doing that. And at the same time, they were going through the motions of going to church. I don't know really how they were, but because because t- for, t- for, the, for the nation of Israel to be right with God, the... the the men had to go back to Jerusalem three times to do the feast. And if they wasn't doing that, they were totally out, out of doing what was right with God. But they th- were pretending to play church and worship idols at the same time. And God goes, no, that's, that's not going to work with me. He says, verse 2, their heart is divided. Now shall they be found faulty. God's like, I, I'm bringing you to court and you guys, you're going to be found guilty here. He says, he shall break down their altars and he shall spoil their images. He goes, your altars are going away, boys. Verse 3, for now they shall say, we have no king because we feared not the Lord. What then shall a king do for us? They have spoken words, sworn falsely in making a covenant. And this judgment springeth forth as hemlock in the furrows of the field. So when we go back and we look in Second uh, Kings, we find out that the Assyrian king was going to come up and he put them under tribute while they still had a king. And yet the king's making deals with them. And then the king's making deals with the king of Egypt. And it's a mess. Because, uh, And finally the Assyrian king does come in and, and, since, and tells them, well, since you're not giving me tribute, um, I'm taking you over. And they finally do. And so but so they're making covenants with different people here verse 5 says the inhabitants of Samaria shall fear because of the calves of Beth-Avon, for the people thereof shall mourn over it they're going to mourn over those idols those those uh, golden calves the priests thereof that rejoiced on it for the glory thereof because it's departed from it now i i don't see how people can bow down to an idol and think there's something fabulous of course again I serve the living God, and I realize who He is. And, and other people, if they don't have that inclination, you know, maybe that's just what they do. I don't know, but you know, they're they're hoping to get something from this, and they're falling down, there and they're thinking it's great. It's like they're going to some big statue of this bull, and it's a golden bull, and and they're thinking, oh, isn't that wonderful? And I'm like. Have you ever, have you ever went to some landmark or some big statue somebody's made or some big modern art that's here in town and everybody stops and goes, Oh, look at that big statue that person made or, or that modern art that's right there, you know, down in front of the, the, uh, Nelson Art Gallery or in, in Overland Park, there's a couple places in Rosanna Square. There's a big artwork out there. People just go, Oh, isn't that wonderful? And you know what I do when I walk by it or drive by it? What kind of junk is that? Who put that out there? I mean it's looked like you know it looks like one place it looks like three or four uh, uh, corn cans of corn you know they just shoved them together, and, and that 's their big art, and people just think it 's wonderful you know and, and, and you know but to people and they make these idols and they bow down to them and they just think it 's wonderful, and it 's like God goes, no, no no, no, no. Hey.
0: I went into this, uh, I had a side job about seven or eight years ago at a doctor's house out in Johnson County. And he's a Hindu. Okay. And the house was packed full of idols. And they were kind of freaked me out because like down in the basement, he had a finished basement, in this great big house, there's a blue woman down there. And she was as big as a real person. And she had like eight or ten arms. Have you ever seen that one? Mm And eyes. <laughs> <laughs> She's standing there in the corner in the dark. And I come down the stairs <laughs> to do something. And I'm telling you what now. I couldn't sleep with that thing in the house. <laughs>
1: I know. It. But then you serve the living God. I know. And, and this guy's lost.
0: I. I'm alive in the middle of the night and choke you to death. Yeah, or, you know, I've. (laughs) Yeah, you couldn't get away from
1: her. I was working on a house in Holbrook and I'm like, they had a room and and we were tiling the floor and it finally dawned on me, this is an idol room. They're going to put their idols in here. And I'm like, I don't even know if I want to be in this room. And yet that's what these people are doing. Okay, but let's keep moving. I want to get through this because we're almost out of time. But yes, that is, that is just... Yeah, we don't want to even be close to any of that stuff. Um, okay, so in verse 5 it says, The inhabitants of Samaria shall fear because of the calves, those, those golden calves of Beth-Avon, for the people thereof shall mourn over it. And why are they going to mourn over it? We'll find out here in a minute. And the priests thereof that rejoiced on it for the glory thereof because it is departed from it. Verse 6, For it shall be carried into Assyria for a present to the king, Jerob. So they're worshiping this thing. And the Assyrian king that comes in, they're going to take the golden calf back to Assyria and give it to the king as a present. You know, it's a trophy. You know, it's like something that, you know, a a baseball trophy or a bowling trophy you got. This is what we got over in the nation of Israel. It says, Ephraim shall receive shame and Israel shall be ashamed of his own counsel. As as for Samaria, her king is cut off. So now it goes a little farther. It says the king of Israel, the king of Samaria, her king is cut off like foam in the water. Okay? Like foam upon the water. The high place is also of Avon. Now that Avon there, I'm assuming is back in verse 5. We're talking about Beth-Avon. It's a suburb there. The sin of Israel, it's where the calves were at, the golden bull, or at least one of them. The sin of Israel shall be destroyed. The thorn and the thistle shall come up upon their altars, and they shall say to the mountains, cover us, and the hills fall on us. Does that ring a bell? Where else in the Bible do you hear that? You hear that in uh, Revelation, you hear it in Luke. Uh, Yeah, Luke chapter 23 and verse 30 and Revelation 6.16. Destruction is coming and and they're saying they want to be, they feel ashamed and they want to be away from God and the same thing is going on here. Verse 9 says, O Israel, thou hast sinned from the days of Gibeah. There they stood. The battle of Gibeah against the children of iniquity did not overtake them. It is in my desire that I should chastise them, and the people shall be gathered against them when they shall bind themselves in their two furrows. And Ephraim, verse 11, is as an heifer that is taught and leveth to tread out the corn. But I passed over upon her fair neck, and I will make Ephraim to ride, and Judah shall plow, and Jacob shall break his clods. Now let me tell you right up front, I don't understand half this, Okay. So maybe you can dig some things out. Now, I know it's there for a reason because God wastes no space in His book. It's there. Verse 12 says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. You're just about destroyed, Israel. You better seek the Lord, it says, till He come and rain righteousness upon you. 13. Ye have plowed wickedness... Ye have reaped iniquity, and ye have eaten the fruit of lies, because thou didst trust in thy way in the multitude of thy mighty men. Verse 14 Therefore shall a tumult arise among the people, and all thy fortresses shall be destroyed, as Shalom spoiled Beth Barbel in the day of battle, and the mother was dashed in pieces upon her children. So shall Bethel do unto you because of your great wickedness. In a morning shall the king of Israel utterly be cut off. And so the only bright spot I see in this whole chapter is verse twelve, where he says to go back and seek the Lord. Out of that, everything is doom and gloom. And when everything is doom and gloom, they have, you've only, it's kind of like when you when you're in a hole. When you dig yourself into a hole, how do you get out of that hole? Well, first of all, you stop digging. <laughs> and then you look up. That's the only way. You, and that's where Israel's at. They've dug themselves into a hole. So you got to stop digging and you got to go to the Lord. That's it. That's the only way you can get out. And so it tells us here in verse 15 that it's going to be It's going to come to a head and it's going to come quickly. The king of Israel shall be utterly cut off in a morning. Now again, it's kind of a picture of the second coming. It's going to come, Christ is going to come in the morning. And so uh, chapter 10 is basically doom and gloom, doom and gloom all the way through. And so when we get to chapter 11, we're going to start next week, things are going to start picking up because it's going to start talking about Israel being restored. And yet, in the middle of that, the last three chapters, it still has a lot of doom and gloom in it. But you start to see how the Lord is not completely done with them. He's going to start bringing them back. And so, um, we see that and I look at that and I'm like, even up until this day, the, the Jews and the Israelites are still not following God it's not till Christ it's not till the tribulation or they will finally do what verse 12 says when they when they start seeking the lord that won't happen till the tribulation but when it does it's going to be it's going to be good for the nation of Israel but what about all those people between here and then that's what i worry about it kind of reminds me of a christian that that that's been wasting their time you know they're off doing their own thing, and then it when the rubber come when the rubber hits the road, then they finally realize wow, I should have been doing, I should have been serving, I should have been doing this because I've just kind of put myself between a rock and a hard spot. And if I'd have just been serving God, I wouldn't be in this spot. And so we've got to learn from the nation of Israel not to be like them. And yet, of course, we all think we are or not. I'm not like those guys. But yet, I guarantee you, there's things in our life we need to fix. So we'll be serving the Lord. And so next week, we'll we'll get into Israel starting to be restored back again. And again, here's the question I want to ask God. How far did God let the nation of Israel go before He yanked their chain? Well, the northern kingdom was, what did I tell you? 280 years. Why didn't God just kill Jeroboam at the beginning when He disobeyed Him? God's a long-suffering, isn't He? He gives
0: them a chance
1: to repent. God is not wanting that anyone should perish, is He? I mean, He's so long-suffering. I mean, I sit there and I look at Jeroboam and he goes, if you just obey me, I'll set your kingdom up. And he sets up two idols and starts up a false religion. I mean, if I was God, I would have just whacked him. It's kind of like, I don't know if we were talking, was it you and I, we were talking about Moses yesterday, Moses and God. Moses would get mad at the people and he'd say, Moses, back off because I'm going to whack them all. And Moses would say, oh, no, don't do it. Don't do it, God. These, you know, Don't do it because people will find out and they'll think that you won't, you're not a mighty God because you whacked you them. And then the next thing you're reading, you know, a couple of verses down, got, and Moses goes, God, you know, the other day I was talking about the people uh changed my mind. Will you whack them? Whack them all. I'm sick of them. I mean, I'm tired of their murmuring. I'm tired of their complaining. Kill them all. And God goes, no, I'm not going to do that. If they'd have just got on the same page, Israel had been done. <laughs> but God is so long-suffering. So let me, think, let me ask you a question. He let them go 280 years. How long does he let things go in our life? Oh, that's, that's a question. I, you know, we see other people and I'm like, oh, here's this pastor and he used to do what's right, but this dude ain't doing nothing right now. God, why do you still let this guy go? You know, that smiley dude in Texas. Why does God let him continue to keep going? I don't know. But there will be a day when it, when it, when the, when it hits the fan. <laughs> I got to watch what I'm saying. There will be a day when he yanks that chain. And I, don't want to, I wouldn't want to be him when he does. So, what can I learn from it? What's in my life? What's in your life that we're not obeying the Lord fully in?
0: That's what salvation's all about. Those being saved from the wrath. Right. Because we are screw-ups.
1: We are, we are. I mean, we are. Man's right. Now, now. Yesterday, my wife told me you always talk about Adam and Eve, and, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna break my string again. I kind of, I was talking about that yesterday. You remember? You all were there. I made some comment about Adam and Eve, and oh, smarky sm- comment. I kind of did that just to get a rise out of you, ladies. And 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 Carrie goes, you do that again, I'm, uh, and and uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be asking God for a new husband. So I'm going to try to not do that, but I was just kind of get your goat yesterday because I'm like, get that lady's all fired up. Like, but you just took it, and I'm like, okay, um, it wasn't any fun. And, and I got threatened over it too, so it wasn't good. So what is it? it the too. You're still, oh, you are? <laughs> okay. Uh, but really, what is it in our life that we need to get rid Get right with with God. But you know what they lost? They lost their first love. They lost love in God. So we cannot do that in our life. We need to show that in everything we do. So next week we'll, we'll start on an upward trend and get out of this doom and gloom that we're kind of in. Sort of. And go from there. Bring I know, I know. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, people will come to class because it's a bubber." And I'm like, but, you know, and I started off Hosea, and it was so easy. I mean, it was easy to map it out. But these last few chapters have been a nightmare for me to get my, ha- my head around because it is just nothing but doom and gloom. And I guarantee you there's, there's a lot more details here than what I'm bringing out. But yet, if we had, did that, we would really be down. So, uh, we'll go forward. So let's go ahead and pray and we'll get into our next session. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for, uh, we thank you for the good things in your word, the bad things, the good illustrations, the bad illustrations. And Lord, I pray that, uh, we would learn from others' mistakes in the Bible. And I pray that our heart would be true to you, that we would love you and we would keep that love going every day in our life, Lord, and that we would uh, not not play church and not, not go somewhere else to try to get uh, 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 what we need, Lord, but we would come only to you because you are the only God that is there and you are the only God that loves us because you are the only God. And yet... Help us to, to keep that love going with you. And we pray that uh, you just use us and and uh, help us to be, be out light to the people around us. We pray for that. We pray for the main service. Give Brian the words to say that we need to hear and help us to walk out of here this week loving you, showing that in our lives. And in Christ's name, amen. amen. No class next week. Yes, thank you for reminding me that.